Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the ninth episode of the Analyze and Educate podcast. Thank you for being here with us this week. We have another guest on, Shooter Rugi. He was a Marine with 1st Battalion, 3rd Marines. After that, he did a little bit of contracting work, and he recently became popular because of his role in the riots that went on in Seattle last month. Hope you guys enjoy the conversation. I think it was a good one. Again, thanks for being here with us. You can find him on Instagram at shooter underscore rugi underscore. And of course, this podcast is sponsored by Mission Essential Gear, your one-stop combat shop. Home of the Thules, the tactical handbook for unit leaders. And that's available at megearco.com and Amazon as well. And let's hop into it. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, awesome. Thank you for coming on, man. Absolutely. So I guess uh, we'll get started. For those who don't know you, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, Shooter Rugi. I am a prior Marine Corps infantryman. I did some private contracting and some security work. And, you know, that's I'm known for the uh, the weapon snatching that happened on in Seattle. <laughs> There's my introduction. <laughs> nice and short. No, I like it, dude. You have become uh, you've become a popular man within the, the past month or so, for sure. How many uh, like podcasts or interviews have you done? Ah, uh, man, I couldn't really tell you. There might be might be fifteen, twenty out there somewhere floating around. No kidding, because I watch I watched the one with you and Grantham. Did you go on? Um, Justin Kramer's podcast too, the former action guys. Yeah, I, I can't remember if I saw you on that. Yeah. Nice. How was that? I didn't get to listen to that one yet. Oh, it was good. You know, had a lot to talk about. The you know, unfortunate state of what things are going on right now. So, a lot of podcasts, a lot of uh, videos, stuff like that. I hear it, man. I hear it. So, uh, where where were you born? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Washington State. Um, been you know pretty much lived here my whole life except for the times i've been gone deployed or stationed somewhere else uh and i continue to choose to live here regardless of the people getting more and more dumb because it's still one of the most beautiful places i've ever seen so i hear you man i'm from like an hour south of san francisco so i mean you don't you don't got to talk to me about stupid people you know what i mean but i uh i'll live here for as long as i can yeah, San Francisco actually is a uh, it's a beautiful place. I've been there several times. The food there is good too. Sausalito is my favorite little town over there. Okay, yeah, I mean it's it's awesome, man. I love where I live. It's a beautiful place. You know, it's just full of stupid people. That's the <laughs> biggest downside. Unfortunately. Wow. So, uh, what made you want to join the Marines? How old were you when you joined? I was 21 when I joined. I was signed up at 17, but I wanted to be a Marine since I was 13. Um, you know, 9-11 happened when I was a kid, and even I didn't understand it, but I was raised to be a patriot, and I knew that this was an attack, and I didn't like it. And Kind of everything I did and learned as a kid was geared towards that direction. Yeah, I hear it, man. Um, I mean, I was... I don't even think I was six when 9-11 happened, you know, so I was, uh, you know, there's a lot I didn't understand about it, but I, I knew enough to know that it wasn't good, right, and that it wasn't an accident. Um, and, yeah, I think it's just funny to 
see that like a lot of people that are joining now were born after 9-11. Yeah. Yep. That's like crazy. My little brother's 19, I think. So he was he was either just barely born or like about to be born when 9-11 happened. I can't even remember. That's excellent. You know, it's at least the, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that. <clears throat> I think it's sad that this thing happened and that it's caught, but I like the effect that people are still affected by it, even though it didn't happen in their lifetime and they're, they still want to do something to, uh, you know, support and serve the country. For sure. Yeah, I always hear that. Um, I can't remember who said it first, but I always hear that quote. Like, I wouldn't want another 9-11, but I'd give anything for a 9-12. Yeah. Exactly. It's an interesting quote. Yep. So why is such the uh, long wait for when you were adept in and when you actually, like, shipped off to boot camp? Uh, familial obligation. There were certain things going on within my family that I had to be there to take care of. So. You know, it comes down to what I need versus, you know, what, you know, duty is, duty is different depending on what's going on. I had a, I felt I had a duty to join and do what I could, but I also had a duty to my family. So I knew that, you know, the country can wait, but my family cannot at that point. Yeah. Hey man, I hear that a hundred percent. Family always comes first for sure. Yeah. So, so were you, you were an 11? Or yep. were you weapons? Oh, three eleven. Okay, and you were with Third Marines, right? Out in Hawaii. Yeah. One three out of Hawaii, Alpha Company, Second Platoon. <laughs> for for uh, sure. I've had uh, I've had seniors hit me up. I've had super seniors hit me up. I've had super boots, super super boots hit me up. So it's weird. Yeah, I saw the uh, what is it? The bastards of K Bay fucking lost their mind as soon as they found out you're uh, you were one of them. Yeah, they shot me a message, uh, I think, like, the very next morning, and um, they asked me, hey, uh, you mind if I repost? And I was basically just like, man, it's already out there. As long as it's to this page, go ahead. And when they did that, like, my, my Instagram is already growing rapidly, but from that point on, it was, that was the pandemic <laughs> my Instagram got caught with. So because of them, that's where it really took off from. I'm sure, man. I remember I first, me and my friends were like passing around the video when it first uh, came out, I guess. And then like the next day or so, people was like, oh, yeah, he's he's a Marine. He's like 1-3 or whatever. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> now it's about to start. Yeah. <laughs> Marines loved it, man. I can't tell you. You know who else loved it? Australians. I have had more messages from Australians than I could even tell you. Uh, I've had people from all over the world hit me up, literally China to Fiji. Fiji was one of them. Um, really? Yeah, but uh, the Aussies have definitely shown their support in it. You know a lot of Aussies? <laughs> no, I know like maybe one. But uh, I tell you what, <laughs> a lot of them know my Instagram now. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, well, they're badass people. <laughs> So how long were you in Hawaii for? Man, I did four years. I was in Hawaii. uh, Two UDPs. Okay. Where'd you go for the UDPs? Uh, Man, Camp Schwab, Camp Hansen. (laughs) A couple places in Korea. Um, Yeah, it was Okinawa. It's like 
most of everyone else there right now from 2013 on. Yeah, I hear it. So you got out, what, 2017? Yeah, I've been contracting ever since. Okay. Are you still doing that? Um, I am, but I'm trying not to. You know, contracting has its ups and it has its downs, but I'll tell you what, it is a very backstabbing type of environment, and it's not sustainable. Um, I know I've met people that have been doing it for a long, long time, and they've had to sacrifice so much to be able to do it in a lot of ways. It's just not worth it. Yeah, that's uh... – it's like, I hear that a lot, man. Pat tells me about what it was like contracting a lot. And then my first guest, you're the third guest I've had on. So my first guest told me about it and he had a dude, he had a dude that was like on a parole, parole or probation. Like, I can't remember the difference between the two, but um, he like showed up on his first day. He's like, yeah, I got to call my parole officer. Like, how are you in Afghanistan? Like handling weapons if you're on parole? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, not a thing that should be happening. But you know what? It's not the strangest thing I've heard of. So, fair enough. Did you do that as soon as you got out? Just got right into contracting. I got out on a Friday. I flew home on Saturday. I had a contract on Monday. No kidding. What was that? Uh, bullshit job in Kuwait, which I don't recommend to anyone. It is not a good place to be. Um, it's not worth it. There's better shit. But you know what? There's better shit than contracting. So I would, I would, I honestly try to steer people away from it if they have the option. Um, some people, they just don't. Like right now, I don't feel like I do. I'm trying to make other shit work, but got to pay the bills, you know? No, I hear it, man. I hear it for sure. And I did my only deployment in Kuwait. That was not preferable. <laughs> yeah, would not vacation there for sure yeah no not not even once how do you know pat uh i man i gotta be honest i'm i'm not sure who pat is if he's someone i've talked to then sorry man um i in this past month i've met hundreds and hundreds of people and my i I'm having a hard time. Like I, the only way I can recognize people is if uh, I have them in my contacts by name and company and sometimes title in that company. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes so sense. So if I've talked to you, sorry, sense. man. <laughs> he, um, I was talking to him the other day and I think he said he like DM'd you or something. Cause he told me to hit you up. I don't know, like a week or two ago. And I'm like, dude, how do you know all these people? Because he sent it people to me like left and right. And then I think I asked him the other day, and like, hey, how do you like, how do you know Ruby? And he's like, oh, I, uh, I DM'd him or something like that. I'm like, what? So you're just like telling me to hit up random people that you DM on Instagram. Right on. Like, hey, I guess it worked yeah. out. But what's, uh, what's his Instagram? What's up, uh, Pat? Underscore Kilo Charlie. Hmm. Weird. All right. Well, 
Anyway, so do you, I saw you posted someone uh, to ask if anyone had any questions for me. Anyone respond to that? Oh, let me check. Last time I checked, I actually didn't see anything. Oh, no, nothing yet. So I guess we'll just uh, keep it rolling. <laughs> so uh, what would you do after Kuwait? Dude, I left Kuwait after three months. Um, I basically is like, I, I did, I learned enough to know that that was definitely the most bottom of the barrel. Um, and that that was not for me. So I left, went home for a few months, and then I went to Afghanistan and uh, worked over there. I was over there for, I think, eight straight months before I took my first leave. And then another month, and I got a better job for Iraq. Okay. And then when'd you go to Iraq? I was in Baghdad on the U.S. Embassy. I was a firearms instructor. Okay. Nice. How was that? Uh, so far, the best pay I've ever made. But honestly, you know, it, it's the same thing as anything else. It comes down to the people. You know, I, I met, I would say, two, if not three, really good friends there. That Actually, one of them owns uh, Osaka Apparel. He's the one who's made my shirts and hoodies and everything. He's a great fucking dude. Um former army sniper and uh but other than that man it, it like i said it's about the people and they can either make it or break it doesn't matter how much you're making for sure for sure who'd you um do like firearms training for out there is it like department of state personnel yeah. or what you know people got to maintain their qualifications okay yeah i guess i never uh really realize that they got qualified on the uh, pistols and stuff like well, that. Well, you got to think if you're deploying to a hostile environment, regardless of what your job is, the U.S. Department of State has to maintain, you know, that these people are qualified to and trained to be in this kind of situation if it arises. Now, is that training up to snuff? Who can say, you know? <laughs> How many people would you say you, like, went through your course? Oh, shit, man. We were shooting people every single day. Um, like up to 20 people a day for what I did almost two years. I couldn't tell you. Hundreds, if not thousands. But, uh, okay. yeah, it's, it's, it's Department of State ran, right? So all you got to do is learn how they want things done and just do it. Gotcha. Was that the last job you had overseas? Yep, been home ever since. Sweet. So, I guess we'll uh, get to it, man. How did you end up in Seattle in the middle of the protest? I was working. I was there as a, you know, licensed to be doing what I was doing, doing security for a uh, news crew. And that news crew had a particular reporter who has <laughs> loves to be in the middle of stuff. So it was more fun and entertaining for me. Um, and that's, you know, that's how it happened. Um, doing a standing on a corner. I can't remember the street name. Um, taking care of it, and I saw the police cruisers, and uh, I assumed there were going to be firearms, and it just turned out that I was right and already prepared to make sure to handle that situation. Okay. Well, damn, man. I hope, I hope they paid you decent at least. <laughs> they paid me. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it. How'd you get hooked up with that job? Or you just, uh, I mean, you put advertisements out there or what? I mean, I, my company 
wishes to be unnamed, so they're not going to be named. But they, uh, I mean, okay. essentially, I mean, I applied with my qualifications and, you know, went through the training that they mandate, um, <clears throat> mandate by their company and then state. And then, uh, you know, I get a text and here I go. <laughs> I can either choose to confirm or deny my mission if I so choose. Um, but, you know, you deny, you don't get paid, so. For sure. Yeah, sorry, man. I, like, I have not contracted at all, oh, so I'm really know. unfamiliar yeah. with the whole process, I guess. Yeah, it's, uh, contracting, whether it be stateside or CONUS, or CONUS, oh, CONUS has, uh, it's, it has its ups and downs. They all have their different process, but once you go through, like, one of them and then two of them, like, you start to really get down, like, what they want and everything, and and it's essentially it's all the same process it's checking the boxes for whatever government entity or company or both that uh, you're going to go work for um some of the training is important some of it's more important to others so like what i took out of my training that i did for that job was the laws and the, knowing and understanding the laws of washington state and federally is what helped me that day to determine you know what i could and could not do and when i could Gotcha. Gotcha. You prefer uh, doing it back home or you prefer overseas? Money's better overseas. <laughs> but do I get to be with my family? No. So, it, like I said, man, it's all give and take. Everything. For sure. So, you found – you came across someone else at the rifle, right, before you came across his uh, patrol cars? Actually, no. So I did take two rifles that day, but they were both rifles that were pulled from those p patrol cars. Um, one of them just wasn't caught on camera okay. like the second one was. Uh, so that's the rifle you see slung on my right arm or on my right shoulder. It's, uh, you know, magazine's not there. It had no bolt carrier group or charging handle in it because I had taken them out just like the second one. Okay, and that was a separate instance, right? Yeah, it happened like it happened maybe maybe eight minutes prior to the second one. So, do you actually see that dude take the rifle from the car? Or was he already like messing it with right, it, watch, messing with it when he got I to watch him? both of them take him out of the vehicle? And I mean, you know, those aren't the only dudes I saw that day. I was thinking about this earlier today. Those aren't the only guys I saw that day with rifles, with ARs or AR style rifles. I saw several others several hours later. But they had them slung. They were their personal weapons and they were, you know, they were exercising their Second Amendment right, which they are more than free to do, just like I am. And you know what I did? I made a note a note of them because I'm security and I, I was there to protect. And if something happened, I needed to know what was around. Other than that, man, I didn't do shit. Good on, good, good on you. Carry on. Hopefully, you do this peacefully. I hear it, man. That first, that first guy, he was uh, like shooting around or something, wasn't he? Yeah, he fired uh, several rounds into a police vehicle. So. Yeah, he did that while I was getting my team to safety. And then uh, luckily he didn't hit anybody. He wasn't trying to. He was trying to hit the police vehicles. Then uh, I got up on him when he was facing away and unawares. And 
scared the shit out of him and took it took the rifle. So <laughs> All right. So you do that and then uh what you guys just kind of keep keep filming, keep walking around until uh, the second instance happens? No, that that all happened on the same street. Um my team, since they oh, had okay. fired, since the guy had fired, my, what my team decided to do, they got on the phone with dispatch because now we're directly involved in this situation. And by the time I got back to them with the rifle, they were already on the phone with dispatch. And uh, one of my crew was like, "Is that a? Do you wait? Is, do you have a rifle? Like, is that the rifle?" I was like, "Yeah, I took it." <laughs> she was she was shocked. Um, so they're on the phone trying to work that out, and I'm trying to keep security. And you know, I had it. I slung it because I needed to have my hands free. And so minutes later, you know, there, there goes another idiot pulling another rifle. So I went and took another one. You know, it was all really. You were the only What's that? My bad. No, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say you were the only person out there with that camera crew. Yeah, it was just it was, uh, I was the one running security for that crew. It was just me and two of them. Look, okay. had guy, people, I would bad. have still done what I did, but I would have done something slightly. I would have done one thing a lot differently. I would have been able to have one guy on security with them, and then uh, I would have cleared those vehicles out. But seeing as I was one guy in a crowd of hundreds, if not thousands, that were now all after me, I couldn't do that. Yeah, man, I'm. I'm sure you made yourself. Uh, I'm sure you you know, pointed a lot of attention to yourself as soon as you took those rifles. Yeah. So what was that, what was that guy trying to do with the second rifle that he took or the second guy trying to do with that rifle? Um, I mean, I have no idea. I have my assumptions and what my intuition is about it. But from the moment that I saw him have it to the moment I took it, he didn't know what he was going to do. He, if you notice, he uh, kind of looks at his friends and they both look down at it. And to me, you know, they're thinking, oh, this is fucking cool. Look what we just found. Look what we got. Look what we took. And what they didn't realize is I was going to take it from them. I think I like guns more than them. And I decided I wanted it. <laughs> so I went up there and I took it to play with it. So I got it out of their hands. They just took off as soon as uh, you did yeah, that? Yeah, one of them had to be carted away like a little baby. Jesus. Is it the one you took it from? Or the, the one other I took one? it from, his like friend came up and uh, if you look in the video, he kind of grabs him around the shoulders as he has his hands up and he walks him off. It's a little embarrassing. <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's a little telling <laughs> of who these kids are that think they're hard asses. Uh, for sure. I mean, were these just... Uh just random protesters or do they appear to be organized at all? <laughs> so in any situation you have, uh, the chaos and then you have the confused and the chaos is not caused by the confused until, you know, they run screaming, which is what happened. There was a lot of organization that day because everyone causing the destruction, a majority of everyone calling causing the destruction. I'm not going to use any fully blanket terms, but, uh, they were all doing the same things, operating in the same ways, and dressed exactly the same. So, but you know what? As for what's going on with them now, they're going to get caught. 
investigation's underway, and I have no doubt that uh, they're going to get caught. So I ain't even worried about it. For sure. I, it's a good thing you were there, man, before, uh, before shit got a lot stupider. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it, uh, it could have gone along a different way. But I think a lot of people fail to understand, you know, in that situation, there wasn't a cop for three to four blocks because they couldn't get there. There were too many people doing too many destructive things, right? So everyone there, essentially, yeah. from what everyone could tell, was on their side. Well, they didn't know I was there. They didn't know I wasn't on their side. So, I mean, I don't think that the first kid was going to shoot anyone unless that came up, like their life became threatened, and, you know, that's the decision that they made. Because uh, the first thing he did mm -hmm. was shoot the police cars. It was shoot the thing that is the subject of their anger that they're already destroying. Um. But what could have happened, what it could have led to, could have been a lot worse. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why I did what I did. But uh, I don't think he was just going to start shooting people that he would have deemed on his team. Gotcha. Gotcha. So did uh, the crowd get, I guess, hostile to you after you took those rifles or – did everyone just kind of go back oh, to no, doing man. their own the, thing? Uh, there's actually a, about a one minute and 20 second clip on YouTube right now of what happened directly after I took it out second rifle. The entire street was on me after that. Yeah, I'm sure, man. <laughs> I'm sure. Were people trying to crowd people around were you? Trying or to were everything they, uh, they could. They were crowding around and their phones out they were verbally threatening and trying to get up the uh, gumption to come after me and i just had to maintain very verbally and verbally violent and aggressive in my stance i had my pistol out the entire time i wasn't flagging anyone i wasn't aiming it at anybody but uh it was up at the, mm -hmm. the high guard muzzle down and well if anyone wanted to challenge it they were going to get challenged violently so So what'd you guys do as soon as you grabbed that rifle? What do you mean? The second one? Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. The second I one. went back to my team and I tried to get us the hell out of there because now everyone had seen what I did and everyone was after me. And because they were after me, now I had to maintain security on my team and now myself and it painted all three of us as a target for them. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you um, try and find the cops yeah, after? That was, or do you guys just well, get keep us safe and get to the police to turn these things in? And that's what I did. Is that awkward when you uh, like gave the rifles to no, the cops? No, man, not at all. It was uh, super easy. So I got to maybe half a block of them, and the crowd started stopped following me. Uh, so at that point, I okay. put my Glock in my pocket. And I broke down both the rifles shotgun style. Um, you know, I popped that rear pin and folded them and I hooked them over my left arm, my left forearm. And then I approached the police with my right hand up and my left arm, you know, basically displaying that these rifles are not, you know, dangerous. They are taken apart. And 
at first they were confused and mm-hmm. told me to wait. And I made, I yelled louder and more clear that, you know, Hey, these are yours. You need to come take these. And once they did that and they came up to me and I explained it and I passed them over and I passed the bolt, bolt carrier groups and charging handles, slapped them in their hands. I was like, these are yours. This is where I got them. You need to make sure to keep these. And I took off back to go do my job. Then I went back into the city. Okay. Do you guys stay like around the protest for the remainder of the day? Or do you guys just. Oh, no, we were in the middle of it until fucking almost midnight. Yeah, we. uh, I had to go change my clothes. They had to change up a little bit and we went right back out into the city. Okay. Was it awkward with the camera crew after that or kind of just. No, it wasn't awkward. The, the, The shitty thing is. When you have a camera like that, it's a big target. Oh, excuse me. It's a big target. People see it and they know what's up. So, you know, you, you got to contend with yeah. that. Yeah, it makes sense. Did anyone recognize you from earlier? Uh, some people no? started to, like, they're getting a closer look. And I could change my hood, my hoodie, um, and I threw a mask on, but my pants and shoes and bag were all the same. But once, uh, like, if I notice anyone doing, like, uh, more than a moment's glance, I would just start chanting and yelling out their bullshit with them, and they stop looking at me. <laughs> it's all about, to, and that's a that's straight up, that's a tactic. You know, I was trying to remain blended and with them as much as they, you know, thought I could be without uh, making a target for us. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's a good idea, man. I got to ask you on your opinion about this whole Chaz thing that's going on. I'm genuinely interested. He's the end. I think, uh, I think we're to a point where they're trying to let it die out. And that's probably what's going to happen. And if it doesn't, I think they need to basically ball the fuck up and, uh, do what needs to be done. This soft world we're living in isn't the world for real. You know, it's a uh, it's a wannabe utopia that's being malnourished by placating and participation awards. And honestly, the whole thing I related to that needs to be happening is okay, corral. What happens then? Um, you got a bunch of guys fucking with the town, fucking with the law. They deputized some dudes who could get the job done, and the problem got solved. Hey, that whole thing... It's just so bizarre, man. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't, I still, for the life of me, cannot understand why the police were ordered to like pull out of their precinct. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just the whole like chain reaction that that decision, you know, set up, you know, people taking over six blocks around this precinct and essentially trying to make their own sovereign nation pretty much for lack of a better term. And, you know, immediately set up borders and immediately put 
like border patrol in a place essentially right people walking around in gear and rifles yep yep and now people in there are getting shot left and right like i looked this morning some 14 year old kid i think died this morning and another 16 year old got shot yeah like what the hell is happening yeah it's uh it's a little sad and pathetic and i hate to see the way our country's going but unfortunately that's what's happening it uh it starts uh, to me it starts with the values that are in the family and in the home and what's reinforced and you know because you did a thing doesn't mean you get an award. I guarantee you all these people participating in this rioting and breaking and looting and all this shit, they're going home telling stories how hard they are. And honestly, that should piss you off. That should piss people off that uh, these kids are out there bragging about it, thinking they're cool. I bet you even the kid that I took a rifle from thinks he's fucking cool for what he did. And that should really piss people off. You're 100% right, man. I agree with that 100%. And that's like, that's another thing I noticed is a lot of these people that sort of hang around in Chaz or Chop or whatever the hell they prefer to be called, they like hang out in the day and then they go home at night. Like, so what's the point? What's the point of attempting to set up your, essentially your own sovereign nation and then you know, when you get hungry or you want to bed asleep, well, you, you just go home. Uh, injured and shot possible. and killed there, and they complained and whined and freaked out and everything because uh, the fire and EMT wouldn't go in there. And then they sat there and complained that, you know, they had to sit there and watch their, their people bleed out and die and how terrible that was because they wouldn't go in there. But you know what? If they were any kind of fucking smart, they'd realize – they're not firing EMT, EMT. They don't go into situations like that. They don't go into a scene unless it's clear, mm-hmm. unless it's secure. And guess who does that? The police. So when you want to go and create a hostile zone, and then when people act hostily in there and get hurt, injured, killed, and then and you're doing this because you don't want uh, the city, state, or police involved, and then you want to whine that they didn't get involved because you're in a hostile area and you didn't want them there. What does that really tell you? They don't know what the fuck they're doing. They don't know what the fuck they think. They don't know anything besides this is my fucking tan- you know, tantrum that I'm going to throw, and I want people to listen to me just because I'm doing it. And that's probably a rant yeah, there, but it's, it's, it's fucking annoying, and it really pisses me off. Oh, for sure, man. I saw that, that one dude that got shot. Uh, I don't know. I think it was last week he was in the hospital and uh, like made some stupid video for social media saying, I'm going to sue the city because, you know, the police uh, didn't come, you know, secure the area or something stupid like that. And this guy is like one of the guards for Chaz. Right. So I, I don't know if he's like one of these John Brown gun club dudes or whatever, but I know he's like a volunteer guard, quote mm-hmm. unquote. And it's like, hey, man, like you're literally keeping out the police. And whether that's right or wrong, like I'm not going to get into that. Right. That's a different conversation. But it's like, why would they come and help you? No, man. Let, let, let's let's let this uh, experiment play out. Let's see what you guys want to do and how you want to do it. It's not looking good, man. Like, I know 
that that uh rapper Raz Simone, I think his name is. He's like the self-proclaimed leader, I guess. I know he was going around with his like armed guards, um, like beating the crap out of people who they were suspicious of and accusing people of stealing and accusing people of all these like other crimes. I know they almost beat the hell out of some dude because they thought he stole an iPhone or something like that. And I guess the owner of the iPhone ended up finding it like a few hours later. Later, They just misplaced it. But <laughs> they were going to beat the hell out of this dude because they thought he stole it. Yeah, it's, fucking, it's ridiculous. And yeah, I mean, me and my crew, about a week after the whole rifle thing, we got mobbed and pushed out of there. And they were just trying to film. And uh, there's a 14-minute video of it on Facebook and I think YouTube now. Um and I, in that, like, I can't tell you how much that whole incident still pisses me off. Like, the whole rifle thing was nothing. It was easy. It was done. It was, I had control the whole time. But when you have a human experience like this other one, it really, uh, it really gets to you. And it makes me so mad for so many reasons. And, uh, like, it's it's like those, uh, almost those irrationally mad moments. Like, you can't get into a package just because it's packaged so well. And you, it just pisses you off. A video game rage quit, right? It just makes you so mad. And trying to keep control and in a you know professional as much as can be in a situation that that's happening it's difficult and uh that whole incident really shows in my opinion what these people are doing and what they want to do and how they want to do it it's not peaceful it's not peaceably they have no goal other than to be a little other than to be whining you know and they want to say it's a black lives matter movement no it's not there's hardly a single black person in that movement it's all overprivileged and in my opinion wrongly educated white kids who don't have any discipline in their life any you know objective yeah for sure man i think there's two things that play into it so i think one you got to look at uh, you know, this concept of mob mentality, I guess, right? Or human nature, whatever, whatever yeah. you want to call it. I was it. Um, <laughs> no, for, for sure, for sure. And I mean, you got people in this protest initially, right? A lot of people in this protest and, you know, some are there to, you know, legitimately protest and some are there because they want to be a part of something. And then you have people that'll take advantage of that, right? So you got a few people that'll basically come in and start doing stupid stuff like lighting squad cars on fire or looting small businesses. And then you have the crowd that's there because they want to be a part of something. They kind of latch onto that, right? And the whole situation just kind of multiplies, right? So instead of a few people doing stupid stuff, you have a lot of people doing stupid stuff, again, because they want to be a part of something. And that plays in a mom mentality or, again, whatever you want to call it. And then I think another thing that plays into it is, you know, here in the U.S., and I guess in Western countries in general, um, there's not a lot going on. You know, if you were to compare it to, let's say, Iraq or, you know, Somalia or whatever, people over there live their life in fear that, hey, they could be shot or they could drive over a roadside bomb or something like that. There's just a whole lot more going people, on. Yeah, they, they don't have anything real to focus on. Or no, they, it's, 
the safety of the United States, however great it is, has led to this uh, this focus on little minuscule things that aren't really a problem. They they've lost uh, the people have lost touch with real world issues. People don't travel outside the U.S. and really see what's going on out there. There's people living out there in, in the world in a state and in a manner where they're completely happy. But to people in the United States, it'd be considered an apocalyptic way to live. And they just don't realize or know that. And they don't. It is the true definition of first world fucking problems. And it's sad and it's pathetic that, you know, our, our people are like that. And I wish it wasn't so. Yeah, definitely, man. And I want to I want to backtrack a little bit because you actually brought up something I wanted to add to um, when we were talking about that dude that got shot and was, you know, all pissed because the police and the EMTs and fire didn't like rush in to save him. Okay. Like there's this there's this perception, right? So a lot of people's perception of firefighters and EMTs is a lot different than that of cops right like not a lot of people hate firefighters or emts there's a lot of people that aren't too fond of the police for whatever yeah, reason but it, may be. that's the loud majority think, or, excuse me the loud minority that don't like them the silent majority are for it you know and that, that's mm-hmm. the thing to be clear oh, not to, sure. I, I, I hate interrupting and i apologize to do that, no, you're that's one you're thing fine. that people don't realize is the the loud minority is the ones that are doing this. The silent majority are the are the Americans are the ones out there that are just like you know what this shit is stupid. Go home. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, can, can... And again, <laughs> sorry. No, but you're. I mean, you're a hundred percent right. But you know, sadly. Um, the loud minority gets all the attention because they're loud, right? They get, they get the attention because they want the attention and they do things to get the attention. But something that I've been seeing, especially with these protests, but even maybe outside of that is firefighters and EMTs are like seeing a lot more risk of danger, like I know there's been instances in the past years of firefighters being shot and killed, like while they're on the job. Um, same thing with EMTs. I've been seeing, you know, EMTs, like companies will advertise body armor towards firefighters and EMTs. Like that's sad, man. That should not be something that needs to happen, but I understand like the necessity for it. Right. Because it's, it's becoming more and more. And, yeah, and, th- and think why, like not just the fact that it's becoming more and more necessary. Um, <clears throat> it's because people have escalated it to that, you know, police didn't start carrying AR mm-hmm. uh, pattern rifles until a bank robbery in California when the, none of their pistols or shotguns yeah. could penetrate the armor. So they had to go into a local gun shop, take rifles off the shelf and ammunition from them or they were given and provided for by the shop and put down the threat. It's the escalation was by the other side first. And I hate to say the other side, but by those doing crimes, those who don't give a damn about laws and it goes, that wraps right up into gun laws, gun laws, more and more restrictions aren't going to help. They're still going to do it. It's still going to be done. 
And it's probably going to be done in greater number now because you just made more restrictions and you made it harder for law-abiding people to do it, mm-hmm. to protect themselves. Um, so, and honestly, this may be really dumb, but I like to re- relate things to what we're, pop culture is all about. And if you think about it like this, there's a scene in Avengers where Thor is explaining, you know, Earth is ready for a higher form of war because Earth had heroes that could basically take on that higher form of war, could take on those higher threats. And then people started coming. It's it it's not gonna happen unless someone already escalates it. And uh that's that's what happened. And you know what? One of the chants that was going on out there every time I was out there it was we don't see no riot here, so take off that riot gear. Well, you fucking idiots. There's riot gear because there's been riots. There's the possibility of riots, and they're going to up the ante. They're going to prepare for it before it happens, because if it happens and not prepared, it's the same thing as concealed carry. You know, you want to have it if you're going to need it. And mm-hmm. the the thought behind it all this is so asinine because there's none. There's no thought. Yeah, definitely, man. And I remember when things were really starting to kick off with these protests and riots. Um, like, I mean, I guess protests had turned into riots. I saw like videos of people blocking firefighters from like going to put out fires. Like I know the target that got burned down in Minneapolis, there was a kid inside the bathroom, like as it was being burned down, fire department wasn't allowed to go into that. It was way too dangerous. I know later throughout the course of the ride to Minneapolis, they had the national guard escorting the fire department in like the fact that we live in a society where that's necessary. Like that's sad to me. Oh, I completely agree. I completely agree. It's it's just a shitty situation all around, man. Yeah, I uh, I agree one hundred percent. You know, it's it's. <laughs> I wish it wasn't so, but oh well. What what are we gonna do now, right? It's uh, now we gotta handle the situation that's there and hopefully try to fix it. Yeah. And I mean, it, I mean, that's a, that's a good point, man. It makes you wonder what's, what's next because it, it's going to happen again. I mean, right. There's, there's going to be an instance where uh, police kill someone in the line of duty. Right. There, yeah, there, it, yeah. It happens all the time. Right. And, and a lot of, a lot of times it's justified, right. A lot of times it's justified, but there will be an instance where it isn't. And it makes you think what's going to happen the next time that happens. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you can look at it this way is uh, here in Seattle, they basically took away all riot control devices, whether it be CS gas or, you know, riot control gear. Well, now what, what happened? You've taken, the, really? uh, you've taken the gap from less from no lethal force to less than lethal force to lethal force, and you taking out the center of that equation, now we're going from no lethal immediately to lethal. So something that's put in place for literally 
decades to solve a huge problem. You're now taking it away because people are complaining about it. Well, they wouldn't be fucking complaining about it if they weren't out there doing the dumb shit. I mean, I got gassed. It's not an emotional, traumatic experience like people are crying about and saying. It's easy. Blow your nose and get over it. For sure, man. I've, I've seen a lot of people say uh, that's a war it's crime. Not. I don't no, no, if I go that far. I've been out there and I've been <laughs> chanting that, saying it's against the Geneva Convention, you're breaking the law, breaking the law. It's not. It's not a biological agent. It's not a nerve agent. It's not any of that. It's pepper spray on steroids to control people that are doing yeah. stupid shit. And again, that comes down to a lack of education. Let's, you know, just like name your podcast, let's analyze this and educate it. It is not against the Geneva Convention to use CS gas or tear gas. At all. Mustard gas, chlorine gas, that kind of shit? Yes. Yeah. CS gas yeah. now. <laughs> so how long were you going around with that camera crew after the whole thing happened? At least another week, right? Mm, uh, I couldn't work for a few days after that because... People wanted to oh, okay. you know, keep me safe. They wouldn't let me go out until things cooled down, which it didn't. Um, then we finally were stretched too thin, so I was able to go work. Uh, I just had to cover up more. So, Okay. Do you guys run into any other issues when oh, yeah, you were out that, there? Uh, that, that video kind of that I uh, messed it, uh, mentioned to you um, that got put out when we got mobbed out of the, the – the fucking hostel zone or Chaz or Chop, whatever people are calling it now. Um, that that incident happened, but then that's was that the last one? Yeah, that was the last time I've been there. Um, I think yeah, it was. Um, other than that, man, things have been you know pretty quiet on my end. Well, regarding all that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, that's good. Oh. What are you up to now? Um, well, I mean, I have my company that's getting started. I got the websites going up. The products are getting made, shit like that. It's been super busy and lightning fast. I have uh, contracts to be signed and, you know, hopefully bring start bringing in some money here. Um, trying to use all this as a marketing platform for a product that I created and believe in, so... Hopefully it works, you know. It's uh timing and opportunity is allowed. I did this this thing people thought was cool and as much as I don't like being in the limelight, I'm definitely trying to use it to my advantage. No, eh, might as well, man. <laughs> you know, you might as well use it as much as you yeah, can. I'm trying to. What's that product you were talking about? Um it's so my company's called Bang Bags, right? The product is a rear bag that I've designed for uh, precision shooters, whether it be military, law enforcement, or backcountry hunters to precision shooters for a competition. You know, um, it, there's a lot of bags out there. there there's a lo- there's a whole lot of bags out there, but I think uh, I, most of them are geared towards the competition world. And however great that is, that's not the primary focus of these of this type of you know this discipline of marksmanship. So. I've geared mine towards the tactical world. 
Okay, gotcha. And so, like the uh, the shirts and the hoodies and all that stuff that's going towards funding it that company, is right? it absolutely is and uh you know it's that was a friend of mine's idea that runs that i mentioned earlier runs osak and uh i was flattered that he would do something like that for me and it, it's helping out so that's what's going on and i've been trying to make the sales so i can start this up so i can help support my family things are just COVID hit us all right so sh shit's hard right now yeah Oh, I hear it, man. Did you see a decline in a lot of jobs as soon oh, yeah. as COVID hit oh, yeah, or what? Man. Everything went down. Yeah. A lot of people a lot of people got screwed by that for sure, and a lot of people are still getting screwed by yeah, it. Yeah, and that's what a lot of these kids that are complaining out in the streets are mad about. So I mean I get it, but guess what? Let's be an adult here and stop whining that everyone else is causing your hard problems. So, that's so uh how i mean how close are you to uh starting up the company how's it looking well the uh the company is locked down i got the name got the license all that um the website is man unfortunately it's probably a two week and a half two weeks out um like i had started this wednesday the 27th literally just three days before I got recognized for this deed I did. So I was very much oh, wow. in the, you know, shit on the net drawing on the napkin stage. Um, and I've, we've moved very fast since then, you know, my entire family's been helping me out with it. So people are already demanding that they, they get it now and everything, but there's a lot that goes into it. You know, there's all the behind the scenes stuff. It's not just, Let's throw up a uh, website, and here we go. Oh, I, I can imagine, man. I hope it all works out I'm for you. <laughs> you picked a hell of a time to get started, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's been wild and nuts, man. But, oh, well. And so... Are you doing anything besides the uh, the shirts and the hoodies? Or no, there's it? stickers that are going to come with each order. And then I actually have patches coming in, I think, like a week, week and a half. Um, those are getting made pretty quick. And they're going to be the Weapon Snatcher patches, and those will be sold. Um, and with that, I actually had, before all this, I had a mug idea. I'm going to get some mugs done, but it's not going to be branded towards my company. It's going to be for others to be able to put what they like on it so let's just leave that little teaser there okay. um so that and there i have several other things coming my way that uh, i'm trying to push out to people so we'll see how it goes you know it's it's very much a web it's a web of everything to try to make work all together and uh it's it's a hard dance to learn so okay and where can uh, people find those patches? Who's making those? Uh, patch Ops is making them. They're doing a great job. I've seen the samples so okay. far. And, uh, yeah, I'll be getting those done. Him and I will work it out. But once, as soon as those can be up and going, that's what we'll be doing. So a lot of people prefer patches over stickers and stuff like that. And they're, I get it. They're smaller, easier, they're a little more concealable, and people don't want to let their stuff be known. So. 
Yeah. I uh, I think I'm the same way. I think I prefer patches. Like stickers are cool, but I really I don't have anywhere to put a sticker. Like I have my binder for school, and that's yeah. pretty much it. I, yeah, the only place <laughs> you know, but I got a yeah, play right? carrier. The only place I put any patches is actually my tablet. I have a, a Microsoft Surface, and I took some Velcro strips and I covered the entire back with Velcro, and that's where I stick my patches. So, um, that's what I do for nice. me. And I know a lot of people like to wear their stuff, so hopefully, uh, you know. Weapon Snatcher patches will be everywhere. And for those who think it's an anti-2A thing and others, you know, that are there to educate them, we'll go ahead and let them tell the story because I'm getting told that. Well, I get it. It does sound anti-2A, but you know what? It was done by a very, very 2A person. So <laughs> People have actually been telling Yeah, you, you know, if, if you were to look at the patch or look at the phrase Weapon Snatcher out of context and you don't know anything about it, I get it. It can yeah. be seen as, you know, people coming in here taking your shit unlawfully. And some people commented on some of my posts, like, all I see is a thug brandishing a gun, stealing a gun from someone who's carrying legally. Well, again, out of context. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I can see that. And so where can people find the apparel? The apparel is at Osaka Apparel. Um, you can follow their Instagram, or you can go to my Instagram and click the link in my bio, underscore shooter, underscore Rugi, underscore R-U-G-H-I for Rugi. And uh, it'll take you right there to the sweaters, and you can buy some apparel and stickers. Weapon Snatcher stickers will come free. Um, yeah, great. We kept the prices low. Um we want everyone to have them. Hopefully, uh, everyone in the community. Oh, yeah, that's awesome, man. And um, do you have any other uh, companies or social media, anything like that? You yeah, want to um, I have two, and one of them is it's plain or one of them is plain and simple. It's Weapon Snatcher Actual at instagram that's where i've been pushing everyone that wants to get into firearms training or and run any class so i'm going to try to get some classes set up it is another process i have to learn along with everything else so go there send me your questions let me know what you want to learn and i'll i'll form a class based off the majority of it a majority of what everyone wants and then um, the other one is firewatch official it's a place for military active and veterans law enforcement and first responders and doc and you know medical personnel at their fingertips they can go and put any story that they have of you know a funny or even painful times it can be anonymous or you know you can be tagged or whatever um tell a story put in some art and have a place of positivity right at your fingertips you know firewatch official is all about watching the fires that burn within us all and it's very much you know a campfire story within uh within instagram for everybody to be at so that one means a lot to me i'm trying to grow it and a friend of mine who he need, he is running it far better than i ever could and it's helping him out as well so go there and send your stories and send your content yeah that's awesome man i know i mean obviously the like veteran community has a lot of uh, issues you know just mental health issues stuff like that um and when people get out of the military they feel i don't know they just feel alone a lot of times right you know they don't they don't have their friends you know living in the 
barracks room 10 feet from them or whatever. But, you know, I think social media has really been good for our community, keeping people connected and getting them connected with, you know, veterans they didn't know during their service. I think it's a great tool for all of us to use, you know, if we use it wisely. Oh, yeah, I hope so too. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'll use the help and I'll use the positivity. So I've had a lot of positivity come my way and I can't, you know, imagine how well and how effective it could be if it was pushed out to the entire veteran community. So that's what I'm trying to do. Oh, definitely, man. I can, I can admire that for sure. But Hey man, I, I really want to thank you for, you know, taking time out of your day and coming on. I really oh, appreciate absolutely. it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you sometime, man. Uh, thank you again for coming on and, Hope you have a good one. Hope it all works out. For Thank you, company. man. You as well. Appreciate it. You yep. Bye. Have a good one. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Really appreciate it. Of course, again, go follow Shooter Rugi on Instagram. That's underscore Shooter underscore Rugi underscore. And then follow the social media that he shouted out towards the end of the episode as well. You could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Analyze Educate. Same handle for both. And again, appreciate all, uh, all the support. Again, Go to Mission Essential Gear. That's at megearco.com. You could also find their products on Amazon. You could find our blog with Mission Essential at megearco.com as well. We got some news articles up for you guys. Um, I put up the news, and then my co-writer, Pat, he puts up uh, contracting stuff. So if you're looking into becoming a contractor, check out his articles. He's got some good stuff. He comes from a place that I really know nothing about. I never did contracting, so it's awesome that we have him on there to Uh, talk about it for people that are interested in it and any feedback is much appreciated let us know what you like let us know what you don't like um like i said any feedback much appreciated for sure and again appreciate all the support i got a news roundup that i got to do that will probably be a day late i'm typing up my notes for it right now but i got a family event going on tomorrow so that'll be a, a day maybe too late but it is coming rest assured and other than that we'll see you guys around thanks Thank you.